0: What's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s Podcast Movie Review. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out today, and we are reviewing the third of the trilogy of the Indiana Jones series, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We're going to take a look at the plot. We're going to look at how the movie was made. We're going to look at some behind the scenes things and I'll finish off with, um, you know, some of the other actually themes that are explored through the movie and, you know, interpretations and things like that. So before we start, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. I should be there. Okay. So here we go. The year is 1912, and 13-year-old Henry Indiana Jones is horseback riding with a Boy Scout troop, and they're in a national park in Utah. So they're scouting around in caves, and Indy discovers a group of grave robbers who have found a golden crucifix that's belonging to um, Coronado that will be involved in the movie he steals it from them and he wants to donate it to a museum so the men chase him through um out the caves they end up going into a train where we discover the origin of indiana's phobia of snakes so he escapes from them all but the local sheriff turns up makes him return the cross to the robbers who immediately turn it over to some mysterious guy who's wearing a Panama hat. But the leader of that group of robbers has a bit of an Indiana Jones vibe himself. And he's impressed with this young kid's bravery. And he ends up giving this fedora to encourage this young kid not to give up. So fast forward, it's 1938. Indiana is now um, kind of... Reengage re-engage with this guy in the Panama hat and a bunch of his henchmen on a ship off the coast of Portugal during a big storm. <clears throat> so he ends up escaping just before the ship explodes and he recovers that same cross and he ends up donating it to Marcus Brody's museum. So later on, Indiana is introduced to Walter Donovan, who informs him that his father, Henry Jones Sr., has disappeared while searching for the Holy Grail. And he, uh, Indy finds this incomplete uh, inscription from a stone tablet as the guide into helping to uncover a little bit more of this mystery of the Grail. So <clears throat> Indy receives his father's Grail Diary. Uh, from in in the mail from venice and he ends up heading there with marcus to you know track down his father they end up meeting uh a austrian colleague named um elsa and they end up in one of the libraries where henry had last been seen so and elsa discover a set of half-flooded catacombs that are beneath the library that house the tomb of the first crusade knight and in this tomb there is the complete version of the inscription that henry had used which will reveal the location of the grail they find out that the the underground is filled with petroleum and the brotherhood of the cruciform sword, which is a secret society is chasing them down there. They're trying to protect the grail and they light it all on fire. Indy and Elsa um, are able to get out. Then they end up capturing one of the brotherhood and he tells Indy where Henry, his father is being held. And uh, Indy's explaining that his only goal is to find his dad. He's not interested in the grail per se. So then Marcus reveals a map drawn by Henry Sr. of the route to the Grail, which begins in Alexandretta. Indy takes that bit of the map from the diary and he gives it to Marcus to keep it safe. Indy and Elsa head to this Nazi controlled castle in Austria where his dad is being held. He finds him and then learns that both Elsa and Donovan are actually working with the Nazis and are using the Joneses to find the grail for them. Marcus is captured and after uh, Indy and his dad escape the castle, Henry tells Indiana that the grail is guarded by three booby traps and the diary contains the clues needed to pass him safely. This whole time, Elsa has the Grail Diary, but Indy's able to recover it at a book-burning rally in Berlin and comes face-to-face with Hitler. They end up boarding a Zeppelin to leave Germany, but the Nazis discover that the Joneses were aboard the Zeppelin. They end up escaping in this biplane that's attached to the um, Zeppelin, and they end up crashing while in a dogfight with some fighters. Uh, The two meet up with... um, sala in hatay where they learn of marcus's abduction the nazis have been equipped by the sultan of hatay this area and they're already moving forward toward the grail's location using the map possessed by Marcus. so indiana henry and sala find this nazi um, expedition it's ambushed also by that same brotherhood that attacked him in venice during the battle henry's captured by um one of the nazi ss colonels while he's trying to attempt to rescue Marcus from the tank, a uh, bunch of people are killed. Indiana pursues the tank on horseback and, with the aid of Sala, saves his dad and Marcus. He's then caught up <clears throat> in a fight with that main colonel, barely escapes where the tank goes over the cliff, which ends up sending that colonel to his death. So now Indy, Henry, Marcus, and Salah catch up with the surviving Nazis led by Donovan and Elsa who have found the temple where the Holy Grail is kept, but they can't get past the three protective traps. Donovan shoots and mortally wounds Henry in order to force Indiana to risk his life in the traps to find the grail and use its legendary healing powers to save his father. So he uses the information in the diary Uh, and followed, as he's going through, he's followed by Donovan and Elsa. So Indiana safely overcomes the traps, which, you know, there's these fast-moving saw blades, a word puzzle, and a hidden bridge over a bottomless pit, and he reaches the grail's chamber, which is guarded by a knight. This knight has been kept alive for 700 years by the power of the grail, which is hidden among dozens of false grails. Only the true grail grants eternal life, where the false one, killing the drinker so Elsa selects a golden chalice for Donovan which is you know studded with emeralds and everything like that he drinks it he thinks it's the right one he rapidly ages into dust from drinking it showing it as the false one Indiana then picks a simple wooden cup which would be the cup of a carpenter it turns out to be the correct one The knight tells him he has chosen wisely, but warns them that the grail cannot be taken beyond the temple's entrance. So in accordance with the law of God, they have to follow this or all hell breaks loose. And that would cause whoever drank from the grail to lose their immortality. So Indy takes that correct grail, fills it with holy water, brings it back to his dad and it instantly heals him. So then Elsa ends up getting the, the grail, disregards the Knight's warning and tries to take the grail with her. It causes the temple to like collapse around them. The grails fall into the floor. <clears throat> Elsa tries to get it to recover it. She's too almost like possessed by the thing, ends up falling to her death trying to recover it. Now, Indiana is Paris Lee hanging while his dad's holding on to him. He's also trying to get the grail. His dad finally tells him, just let it go. Pulls his son out. They all escape as the night watches them leave. And then the both Henry and Indiana, Marcus and Sala, escape the temple and ride off into the sunset, concluding the trilogy. But we'll get to actually what happens after that. Okay, so let's look at so a little bit of a review here. So in my perspective, not only is this the best film of the franchise, it's also, dare I say, one of the best movies ever made and almost a perfect movie. It it had all those elements that make for timeless entertainment. It's got mystery, suspense, action adventure, comedy, Nazis, more biblical mythology. And what makes a movie like Indiana Jones and the last crusade. So great is that it's all these different movies in one. And that usually is what makes for a timeless classic. The, the last crusade is, is pure Indiana Jones with, and we'll get to why it was sort of a rebound from the temple of doom in a sec, but again, it's, it's pure action adventure, the quest for the Holy grail it brings in Sean Connery, who seamlessly enters into the franchise and expands this whole world of Indiana Jones. If you haven't watched this movie in a while, like definitely check it out again. It's probably been a good six or seven years since I'd last seen it. And it really does feel timeless. It It still feels really fresh considering it's more than 30 years old now it feels like it was made yesterday it even looks like it was made yesterday it it could have been released in any era of film it also I think what makes this movie so good is it has this breathless pace and energy to it it never stops moving over the course of the full 128 minutes like there's not a second to sit down it just rapidly moves forward again so what makes this movie so great is because Steven Spielberg made it an effort to make it great. So if you check out the last reviews I did on Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Temple of Doom, specifically the Temple of Doom, and it was seen as a low point in the franchise and is notably too dark and that was a real re- there was a real reason behind that because of the life traumas that Steven Spielberg and George Lucas were going through and that was reflected into the product on the screen. So the last crusade was made as a way by Steven Spielberg to apologize for the misdirection that happened in the temple of doom. So let's look at a few fun facts here. So when it came out in 1989. It was a huge hit. It grossed $474 million, which converted for today brings it close to $1 billion. Interesting. The beginning scene with the young Indiana Jones, who is played by the late River Phoenix, it led to the creation of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles in 1992. I don't know if you remember this show. It lasted three seasons on ABC. I remember it very well and was a huge fan of it. And I don't know why it didn't. I mean, I guess three seasons is quite successful, but I'm surprised it didn't. Sort of morph into other things, into spin off movies. I, I don't know if it's something that could be revisited. It, it was really good. So I've mentioned in the Temple of Doom uh, about Indiana Jones being a little based on James Bond and they accentuated this with the idea of having, you know, a different girl in each movie where the first idea was to kind of have the same one with Marion go through each one. But they thought, no, to make it a little more like Bond, they'd have a different girl each time. Also, Indiana wearing a white tuxedo in the start of Temple of Doom was just sort of more that nod to James Bond. Spielberg had always wanted Sean Connery in the last crusade. And to them, that was their perfect way to encompass that 007 influence. Okay, other fun facts. The underground catacomb scene with the rats, there were 2000 rats bred specifically for this scene in this movie. You may not have ever noticed this, but Harrison Ford has an actual scar on his chin. So they created its origin story. In the scene when young Indiana, when he's in the train, whips himself when he's trying to tame the lion and then cuts his own chin. And that was a way to sort of say this is where that scar came from. This is, this is a crazy fact, but a lot of the Nazi uniforms worn in the movie are the actual real thing. The costume designer on the film was able to track down genuine Nazi uniforms across Europe and use them through the movie. Okay, last fun fact: the line Sean Connery gives when he says she talks in her sleep, he actually improvised on the spot, and which is hilarious. And apparently, everyone else involved in the scene actually like dropped from laughter. They had to cut it like immediately. But that that improv on the spot is the actual scene you see in the movie. So kudos, Sean Connery. So let's look at a few of the themes through the movie. So obvious ones are you know, good and evil. We've seen that before and the idea of family, but there's a couple more narrowed down themes. And I think the one big one is the idea of the tensions that can exist within a family, specifically the bond between a father and son. And it's sometimes no matter what you do, your father doesn't see you as good enough. It was like all the explorations and risk Indiana took in his life was ultimately to please his father and not about the archeology span or the ancient relics per se. The Holy Grail is almost more than a physical object, but it's the bond that connects Indiana and his father. It's the glue that sticks these guys together. And it's more that the quest for the Grail is really a quest for a better connection to his father. Over the course of the quest, it allows both of them to see each other for who they are. Sort of like, you know, the journey is more important than the destination with the idea of the Grail. Another huge theme uh, I see is about you know compassion and forgiveness, and again between the family members, and you know, but in, in general in life. So Indiana is able to see his dad as a flawed human being now, and ultimately is able to forgive him for any mis you know doings and wrongs in the past. They are able to leave the tomb at the end of the movie. more sympathetic and more understanding towards one another. And I think it's just that general theme of forgiveness and again the compassion. So I mentioned how the ending of the movie involves them all riding into the sunset which is sort of like, you know wraps up this whole trilogy perfectly it's also a callback to those Saturday matinee serial Um, films that were a big influence on George Lucas and Steven Spielberg and Westerns and riding off in the sunset and just that sense of finality. And obviously things didn't finish there because 19 years later we would get Indiana Jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull. So I, it's impossible to ignore this movie and I just wanted to sort of touch on it in relation to this, you know, original trilogy. So, you know, we see them um, after they ride off and it, it, you know, Ultimately, they could have left it alone, but it's too big of a franchise to not revisit. And, you know, of course, we're going to get Indiana Jones 5, whatever sort of format or style that takes. But The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, I rewatched again this week. And I saw it when it first came out in the theaters, and I had not seen it since then. So I thought, you know, obviously got to give this thing another chance because maybe – interpretations change or you come at it from a different viewpoint. My original you know feeling when I first saw it was I hated it a lot a lot along with a lot of other people and you know okay maybe my viewpoint will change in the second viewing. So watching it through the first half, it actually, holds up better than I thought. <clears throat> and it's actually like a way better movie than I remember. The adventure and the spirit are still there. We get some great callbacks to the original trilogy and finding out that that warehouse from Raiders of the Lost Ark is actually in Area 51. I think ultimately it just, it seems too fantastical, which seems odd to say for a movie series that's based around, you know, the supernatural and biblical mythology. <clears throat> but the, the theme of the aliens just departs too much from the heart of Indiana Jones in my perspective the the rest of the movie just ventures into the absurd and like none of the action sequences or scenes they they don't seem based in reality anymore you know when Indiana Jones is fighting on the tank in the last crusade you watch it the same way you feel like you were watching a real life fight on a tank happen it, it nothing seems overdone or overindulged or, you know, special effects. And for the sake of special effects, it just seems like genuine action adventure. And it feels like there's realistic risk and danger. And Indian, or sorry, Harrison Ford actually filmed most of his own stunts, especially all those scenes on the tank, say, for example, in the last crusade in the, in the crystal skull, it's like the characters have become Avengers. They're like superheroes and they're all capable of superhuman abilities. All of a sudden it, it just, it becomes too comic booky it's like the scene where, I I'm assuming you've seen it, if not, I mean, it's what, obviously watch it because I think it's good to have a frame of reference for this whole thing. The scene where Shia LaBeouf is swinging through the jungle almost made me turn it off at that point. I actually had to watch this thing in two parts because I just couldn't sit through some of the absurdity of it. The other big issue to me, and this, this came back to me from when I saw it in the theater, and that's what stuck stuck with me. But I couldn't sort of like, you know, articulate it at the time is that the movie seems to push the character of Indiana Jones to the side. It, it's like the alien story and the <clears throat> the crystal skull story has become too big. And Indiana feels like he's just an observer to the whole thing. I feel like we're watching and observing along with them, as opposed to him being the focal point of the whole thing, uh, like how he would be in the original trilogy. I just, I, I felt like he was irrelevant, you know, going in the second half of the movie to me, it feels like a script that was written For another movie, which might have been a very cool movie, but wouldn't be able to get made for whatever reason. But then, you know, slapping the Indiana Jones premise onto it is guaranteed to get it made. I mean, that's just my thoughts, but that's, that's just the impression I got. Like it was a a movie, an adventurous, ambitious, creative movie. But just wasn't able to stand on its own legs and they could kind of incorporate that into Indiana Jones, which I doubt is the case, but that's just the feeling I got from it, that that story sort of elevated above Indiana and he just became a side character in the whole thing. That's just the takeaway I got from it. I don't know what you thought of it, but... I'll wrap it up here. Hopefully you enjoyed this review of one of the best trilogies of all time. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you haven't already, make sure, again, if you subscribe, wherever you find your podcast, I should be there. I will be back soon with a new episode, though, so don't you dare miss it.